Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you this evening, and uh, no matter where you're listening to us, thank you for tuning in this evening and being a part of our mission to sow hope into broken hearts. As always, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Andy Santos. How are you this evening, and is it sunny in Philadelphia, or is the sun gone down now? And is she still muted? Maybe she's still muted. Unmute there yourself. There we are. Hello, hello. Yes, it's not sunny today. Actually, <laughs> not sunny. Well, it's it's um, right now. Of course, it's a uh, little after six p.m. Eastern time, so it's it's just starting to get dark. <laughs> Very good. So it was a little bit sunny this afternoon, though. Excellent. <laughs> I know it's been, it's been sunny in Milwaukee, and I know that's uh, where our guest is uh, from as well uh, today. So uh, we we're so blessed to be joined by AJ Garcia. Uh, he is. Uh, a he, he he works with focus. I will let him give you his official title uh, to everyone, but I believe it's uh, P- Parish Advancement Director of Parish Advancement or something like that. AJ, uh, that's right. Oh wow. Okay, I got it right. <laughs> Very good. Um, but a, but welcome AJ uh, to the program. He's also a husband, father. Uh, but uh, we're excited to be talking with him today on this episode of Sowing Hope. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you, Bill and Ann, for the opportunity and invitation to be with you all. Absolutely. Yeah, it's such a blessing for us, and um, fine, great to finally quote meet you here on Zoom yeah. because we're doing <laughs> this on Zoom, right? right? And it looks like you are the you have extensive ministry experience and have served roles with campus diocesan and nonprofit ministries. You earned your master's degree from the Augustine Institute, and it says here that you're a cheesehead through and through. And that you live in Wisconsin with your wife and four young children. I had to read that bio because. Uh, it's it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Thanks. That gives a little bit more of a of a full picture. That's my <laughs> my first love, my true love. Sometimes this is is the Green Bay Packers. I bleed, bleed green and gold, and having lived in a couple of different states, I always stayed true to that. So we gotta gotta fit that in there. And yeah, you know, blessed to be living back in the Milwaukee area now. And like Bill was saying, there's signs of hope out here. The sun's out. The snow is melting. So we're getting eager for that warm weather. Although who knows what can happen here. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, well, we're excited to have you, AJ, because uh, I know you have just you have a, first of all have a great faith story, um, but you also do incredible ministry and incredible work. Um, and, I, and I know we've known each other for a few years, and it, just getting to know you and all your great work is so such an honor. So, uh, but I would love it. I know the one thing we always do on this podcast is we um, we, we we love to. Uh, you know, do a little bit of the faith story for our listeners. So if you don't mind uh, sharing a little bit of your faith story and, you know, whatever the Holy Spirit's putting on your heart today to share with our listeners, feel free to share it with them. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks. It's, uh, yeah, it, it continues to be a journey, but just so many, I mean, blessings as you look back, you kind of unexpected things that you don't realize the role that something or someone was playing in your life at the time. So it's, it's fun to, to reflect on and, and I'm excited to, to get to share that. And I always look back to an early influence that I, I totally didn't recognize at the time, but my grandmother had an incredible devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, my last name is Garcia. We're Mexican. Uh, and uh, 
just that image is something I was always familiar with, but I didn't know a lot about it. I knew it was important to my grandma. Uh, that was about the extent of it. I was always curious about it, very familiar with that image. And as I grew older and got you know out of high school into college and started pursuing and just exploring the faith a bit more on my own, like I received the sacraments and there wasn't a lot more to that as a, as a high school student, but getting into college, starting to learn about Jesus and Mary and like putting things together on a map. And I remember being very confused, like, okay, we've got like Nazareth, Bethlehem over here and like Mexico is over here. Like, wait a second, like this does not add up. The mother of God is from Mexico. Like I know that. So I like went through this, <laughs> this stage of like having to figure that out, understanding apparitions, which is really cool to be opened up to that. But just like, that was my baseline, I guess, you know, very limited, little knowledge of anything about Jesus or the, the Catholic faith. But that was like the open door. Our lady was always there with me in college. I was really influenced by a lot of different Protestant evangelical ministries, FCA, the fellowship of Christian athletes, InterVarsity Christian fellowship. And I was like, I was wild in college. Like I just lived a, uh, I lived for Friday and Saturday. I led the charge, made a ton of bad decisions. Like I was far, far from the Lord and just completely content and all, all of my sin. Um, and then just the people that Jesus started to put in my life and that uh, just introduced to me in a really just simple impersonable ways for me to consider the decisions I was making the way that I was living, because I still would always identify as a Catholic, even though I was not going to church, but like I was, I was Catholic. I was a cheese head and a Catholic, you know? Um, <laughs> so I, yeah. And I, so I clung to that for some reason. And I, I started to just kind of like receive, you know, those challenges, those invitations to think about Jesus differently, maybe different than I'd only learned in, you know, catechesis and in faith formation setting in, in church. And as I did that, it just started to open up my heart a bit. And at first I was really turned off to it. I, the first like Bible study I ever went to as a freshman in college, another guy on my floor invited me to this Bible study. So I said, sure, I'll go with you. I don't want you to go alone. I didn't know what I was going into because it's an all girl Bible study. So here my buddy and I are in this all girl Bible study, like seven or eight other women. And they were like mature in the faith. Like they had a relationship with Jesus. We go to this Bible study and they're praying out loud. And I was really uncomfortable with that. I was really intimidated by it. And my, my immediate response to leaving that Bible study is like the God they are praying to is not real. Like what they're doing is weird and I'm not okay with it. So I went back to the Bible study, of course, right, the next week, uh, mostly because I thought the leader was cute. So I'm, I'm going to keep going here and see see what this leads to. But out of that, you know, came um, invit more invitations. You know, the the a few of the, the women in that Bible study uh, just began to challenge me a bit more than I was willing to receive in the way that I was living. But again, just made me curious. And thank God for their persistence and just challenging to introduce me to the person of Jesus. And just as I continued to grow as a college student, that was like the, the, the opening point. And then to kind of speed ahead, that was my freshman year. My senior year, I went on a mission trip to Mexico through InterVarsity. And I, at, at this point, I, I'd go to mass on occasion, like I'd, when it was convenient or when I was awake for it on a Sunday morning. So like just this thread of like kind of persistence, but not from the Lord, but not much consistency on my end. So I, I decided to go on this mission trip to Mexico thinking, I'll never have this opportunity again. I'm a senior in college. My life is about to begin. This is my last chance to do something like this. It was Lent of my senior year, and I was, in the, I was fasting from alcohol, which was a big deal in my life at that time. And I, I, was, I was doing it. And, like, graces were, were flowing um, during that time. So we go on this mission trip. We teach kids a, a Bible class during the, the 
afternoon, do a, a, a physical project, built the foundation for a church in, in Mexico there. And um, I remember being blown away there by the faith of these people who, you know, from our eyes, the eyes of Americans had very little, but I remember them praying around our group the first evening we were there and I couldn't understand a word, hardly a word. I mentioned I'm Mexican. I speak like just a little bit of Spanish. It's, it's pretty embarrassing actually, but we're in this church, we're gathered and these people surround us and just start praying. Like no idea what they're saying, but could just see on, on their faces, their conviction, their gratefulness for us being there. Like the Lord had sent them missionaries to teach their children and build their, their church. I had no idea what I was, what I was getting into that week, but it completely life-changing. Uh, one of the devotions that we kind of went through on our own each morning was the first time I really had like regular prayer in my life. Uh, and one of the things that was shared during that devotion time was that 80% of people that go on a trip like this, go back and like leave any sort of conviction or, you know, um, changes they wanted to implement while they're away on this trip, just to fall back into sin, basically. And just, you know, falling hard back into sin. And so I pray like, Lord, help me to be part of this 20%. Like, I want to do this. I need you help me to be a part of this 20%. And um, I was really convicted in that. Had a great week there. I went back to campus. Lent was over. And it's, hey, it's my last month on campus, right? Like, I got to go out with one last hurrah. So there I was, that 80%. Um, and that led me into graduate school, where I was excited to go and just begin anew in a lot of ways. To, from the beginning, I made the decision I'm going to Mass every Sunday. Never a decision I made in my life before. There wasn't an invitation. There wasn't a, someone telling me I should do that. Just a grace, a huge grace that I started to do that. And after a couple of months of developing some good habits and doing that, um, I then fell back hard again into what I knew. Like, all right, it's back to living for Friday and Saturday. And really like a rock bottom moment where um, just in October of that year, I was there for like two months, three months maybe. And looking at the, the life I was trying to live, like I was trying to be involved in Christian um, communities and outreach, just apostolates on campus, the Newman Center on campus, I was going to mass, but I was still like Friday and Saturday, a different person. And uh, just the, the, the rock bottom moment was like, uh, was drinking and driving and thank God no one was hurt. And, but that was just like a wake up call for me. And I remember just in my apartment, looking up at my crucifix, which is actually, yeah, the, the crucifix right here. And uh, just praying and believing that my prayer is being heard. And, and just, it was a different way that I'd ever expressed prayer, really invited God into my life to change this uh, struggle. Um, and it was just amazing. Another just incredible grace, how God transformed me. And from that moment, the rest of that semester, the rest of that academic year, like every night of the week, I was at a different Christian group, InterVarsity, FCA, um, Campus Crusade for Christ, the Newman Center, just trying to be around people that would encourage me and I could learn from. And it was about that time that I was um, I was attending Mass sometime during the week and on Sunday, but that's when I like discovered uh, the, the truth of the Eucharist, um, where I was challenged by some Protestants as a Catholic about what I believed. And I didn't know yet how to express what I believed. I knew what we did. I know when we did it during mass, but uh, that was about the, the, as far as I could explain something. And so as I was challenged, I needed to learn. And the, the priest there helped me to do that in um, this point by his answers, by the way that he guided me and directed me to scriptures and the church teachings where I um, experienced and understood just what, who and what the Eucharist 
is intellectually, like I understood that. I understood what Jesus is saying in John chapter six. I understood what the early church did when they gathered for, for fellowship and the breaking of the bread. And then I went to Eucharistic adoration for the first time, you know, as a 23 year old uh, young man. And it was just that moment, right? Where head meets heart. And I knew that it was him, that it was real, that this was true. And that I needed to change everything about my life and conform to him in every way that I possibly could. Uh, and that was just a significant moment of my life and kind of the, that point from which everything has changed. Oh, I love your story. Oh, that's, that's incredible. And uh, focus is wonderful too, isn't it? I mean, we've actually had a couple people, um, one in particular, David Tallarico. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know David Tallarico. He's a recent guest uh, from mm -hmm. Focus, but um, really wonderful life story of yours. And, you know, it's still being played out, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh, because there's so much more in your life than than just to that point. So take us on the continual journey as obviously you met your wife and now you have four kids. So we yeah. would also love to hear what happened after that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So at that moment, yeah, the, the two most important things in my life happened during graduate school. I met Jesus and I, and I met my wife and they were right about the same time. Um, but yeah, from that point, so I had this deep conversion to the Eucharist, who Jesus is, who what the church is calling us to do. And that next semester, um, Focus showed up on campus with four missionaries. And um, I just remember immediately being just attracted to them, a certain appeal that they have, like they're young people living out the faith in a natural way, in an authentic way, and in a way that like, there's just a lot of joy, you know, coming forth from them and, and the way that they're living and what they're doing. So as I was someone trying to live out a ministry and apostolate, having no idea how, I looked to them. They helped me to further establish a foundation of just prayer and going, frequenting the sacraments and uh, just more fully entering and understanding um, what it means to be a man of virtue. And so being encouraged by them, looking to them for an example, then they helped me to launch and start a Bible study right there while I was a student. And as I did that, I just loved it. I enjoyed being able to share what God was leading me through and to share that with others. And as I did that, they invited me to apply to Focus. I did that. They, I was sent to Seton Hall University and uh, spent three years there as a missionary. And um, as I go out there, my wife begins her journey as a nurse. We're dating from distance uh, in Minnesota. She's a nurse in Minnesota. Uh, but yeah, just so much you learn as a missionary. Focus does an incredible job of pre preparing and training missionaries to enter into that sort of mission on a college campus. Like a a rigorous and thorough training of studying the scriptures of how to lead a Bible study, how to fundraise your salary, just so many things um, that prepare you well for team, being on a team, a mission, but really for, for your vocation. Um, and I, I look back at my time at Seton Hall as a missionary, like wonderful times, great times with the men that I worked with there, uh, but also just like with my teammates and, and how that did like just prepare me to uh, for, for marriage, just living with uh, others that have a similar, you know, goal, similar ways they want to live their life, uh, but maybe in a different way that, that got them to that point and how they're going to do that going forward. So just learning to do that with the men I lived with, the women I, I served with on my team, and just the continued um, opportunities for growth that Focus provided. And so while I was out there, I uh, just fell in love with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Had never experienced or encountered them before but got to you know, spend time praying with them, serving that with them as they, you know, go out to the streets and bring food and just the necessities to the poor. And uh, 
uh, really thought God was calling me to the, the priesthood or to join that order. And so it was a difficult conversations from New Jersey to Minnesota about how I could pursue that. Um, but, you know, my now wife at the time just said, you know what, if the Lord's calling to that, give, give that a, give that a try, pursue that, uh, discern that. And I did for about eight months where I just discerned that as, as my vocation. And as I was uh, pursuing that, I was, I then completed my master's that I began, I began my master's, left to serve with focus, and I was discerning this order. They said, hey, why don't you finish this degree? So I finished my master's degree with the intention of, a, a, you know, a, something off the checklist to be closer to joining this order, so applying to join the order. Um, so I did that, and I studied theology of the body and had a great instructor who had a you know, family of eight or nine at the time. And then I'm studying at Seton Hall University with priests, religious sisters, brothers, seminarians, and married couples. And I'm like in the midst of all of that. So just as I'm studying that, learning about the, the great gift of St. John Paul the Great's work, and then thinking about how it's going to apply to my life, I'm like, you know what? I'm called to marriage. I'm called to marry Janet. I better, I better <laughs> give her a call, see what she's up to. Um, and uh, a, a few months of begging, mostly, almost not quite begging, but conversations and uh, just discerning together. We, we were engaged about five months later. Mm. Um, and that about closes my time at Seton Hall. And then I continued my, my journey with focus to Winona State in Minnesota. And that's where uh, we started our family to, uh, to live as a missionary family. Um, and yeah, three more blessed there, years there of growing as a, as a team of missionaries, encouraging young men on campus uh, to live out this, uh, the mission to share the gospel, to know Jesus and share the gospel. Yeah, you know, I, I love, AJ, how your story is so, you know, inter, interwoven with, you know, your relationship with, with, with Christ and at the different points in it, and, and also with just the, the vocational aspect of it, the vocational discernment and also the personal relationship with Jesus go hand in hand, and I, and I just really, really love that, you know, about the way you articulated that, because I think, uh, you know, so many people uh, take take them as, you know, exclusive things, right? Like, you know, I've got my personal relationship with Jesus in this box, and I've got the rest of my life in this box over here, but the reality is, is that they need to merge together in order to live a, you know, a, a full life, you know, in Christian life, and so uh, I I just love how you articulated that and kind of, you know, brought those two things together, because, uh, you know, we, we are, you know, needing to have both of those, our, you know, vocational aspect of w- whether it's being husband, father, um, or, you know, uh, a priest, but also um, having that personal relationship and developing that and knowing who Christ is in, in your life uh, through Eucharistic adoration and through those things. The other thing that I think is so important that you brought out in that uh, was also the fact that there's this band of brothers, that there's this camaraderie, that this group of people that that come together to pray and to reflect and to live the faith. Because, you know, I, I don't know many people out there who can live the faith, uh, you know, as lone rangers, right? I, I don't think there's many, you know, lone wolves out there that can, that can live the faith you know, by themselves. Certainly there are a few, right? Like, you know, St. Anthony in the desert, and there's a few in our history. So so if you are one, you know, more power to you. But I think the majority of us as as Christians and Catholics have to really, 
you know, understand and come together and celebrate our faith in commun- in community. So just just great great stuff that I I just wanted to you know thank you for sharing that in such a uh, you know humble and real way for our, for our listeners to you know help them realize to be able to merge their lives together you know both the vocational and also the personal relationship aspect with Jesus don't don't you know not mutually exclusive <laughs> right exactly it's a challenge it is yeah i agree i i love listening to your story um and uh there's a couple of points that you said that i wanted to mention too that really hit home for me you mentioned your grandmother hmm. and uh i was very very close to my grandmother in fact um I have in the room that I'm in right now, there's a, a picture of her on the wall, which is always a reminder of people of faith, right? People of faith. And then the other thing you mentioned is that you were, um, you know, you are not, did you say that you were Mexican? You are, Me- you're part Mexican? That's right. That's my, my yeah, my background. You're, yeah, yeah, exactly. And my, my grandfather, um, we used to have a, uh, a picture on the wall my my father had of Our Lady of Guadalupe that was, I think it was my grandmother's, I mean, my grandfather's, and he was from Cuba. Mm. And so that Hispanic influence, too, um, of faith, I just uh, wanted to mention that, too. When you mentioned Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, that that was also something that uh, I can definitely uh, understand. Mm-hmm. And you know that your grandmother is praying for you, right? Mm-hmm. She continues mm-hmm. to to pray. And I'm sure she's very proud of the work that you're doing too. Yeah, it was, it was a, a special relationship. We're really blessed. To, we grew up in like a circular cul-de-sac and she lived at the end of it. So like my entire life, you know, three houses away from her and would spend, you know, a lot of nights on the weekends with, with her and cousins at the house. And I remember many nights, you know, falling asleep and we'd hear grandma like kind of whispering or mumbling in her room. Like, what is she, what's she doing? Is she okay? Like, is that the TV? What's going on? And we'd go in there like, what's wrong, Grandma? Are you okay? She's like, I'm praying. I'm praying for you all. And she, you know, I've got 17, 18 first cousins, uh, a ton of, you know, uh, you know, my children and my cousin's children. She'd like, pray for every one of us by name. You know, it's so like just this an intercessor, intercessory powerhouse. And you know, I remember her bragging, you know, she had to be 85, more than 85 about, you know, I prayed the whole rosary today. Prayed it all on my knees. <laughs> like, oh, God bless her. Awesome. So yeah, it's just uh, those those prayers that you 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 know when as we should be praying for others now, our future generations, our our children, our grandchildren. You know, not knowing um, how those may reveal themselves in the future. But I'm grateful for her and for prayer her prayers for me and for my family. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think grandparents make a very huge influence on their grandchildren especially when they have that awareness that they, their lives can affect through faith. I know, Bill, you understand that greatly, especially this past year that Bill's grandmother passed away and he was able to watch the funeral via Facebook, I believe it was, or something like that internet. Um, But we, we both understand that and, and the power of the grandparent. So I just want to make a shout out to people who are listening that are grandparents. Just remember when you listen to AJ's story, uh, how important it is to, to, to pray for your grandchildren and for your children for that matter, right? We need to pray for our children too, not just grandchildren. But um, when I hear your story, I can't help but think about my own story and how my grandmother had promised me 
uh, upon her death that she would always be praying for me. And, and I know having that picture up on the wall, I look at her eyes in the, in the picture and I know that my, I call her nanny. She's uh, I know that she's still praying for me and my family. So God bless. Yeah. Let's talk about focus too. I mean, uh, focus is an amazing organization. Uh, Bill and I, I mean, like I said, we have hosted other people from Focus on before. So some of our listeners are familiar with Focus, but tell us more about Focus. Yeah, Focus is is incredible. It's been a huge blessing in my life. And um, yeah, like I said, having met them at a very impressionable point in my life, um, it's just, just amazing the work that they've done, the vision that they have. And for, for years, it's been on a college campus to evangelize and disciple college students, to meet students where they are, to invite them into their own life as a missionary, to give them hope, encourage them as they are struggling through the ups and downs of college, but to introduce them to the person of Jesus Christ, to share who he is and that they can know him in a personal way and to grow in that relationship through what the Catholic Church offers through the sacraments to encounter Jesus and that type of way. And then, um, you know, the, the thing, one of the things, there's so many things that I love about Focus. I, I, I served with Focus for six years, left for a few, four or five, and, and just returned last fall. Um, so I just, just recognize what a gift it is to the church, but um, seeing just the intentional way that they not only um, like share the faith or pass it on, but also so intentional about um, sharing that in a way that that the person you're sharing it with will be inspired to share it with someone else and them someone else. So it's not just to impart faith and faithfulness, but faithfulness in a way that will be fruitful. Um, so many scripture passages that we really try and hold dear as we're living out our mission in focus, you know, of course, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, to make disciples of all nations. Um, but but one that I, I think just kind of really sets focus apart is a Second Timothy 2. Second, the second book of Timothy, chapter two, where Paul says to, to Timothy to not to teach other faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So just that sort of vision in all of our efforts. So we're not just on campus trying to, to share the faith, but in a way that will set them up for to live out their Catholic faith for, for the rest of their lives. Well, that's what it's all about too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. because Absolutely. they're starting in their say, late teens, early 20s, the faith journey for most of us is going to go a lot longer, right? So, I mean, and especially as they're entering into that vocational decision, marriage, you know, religious life, whatever that would, how that would play out, or whether they would remain single, whatever that would be. So um, that's just awesome. Hey, tell us about your family. I'd love to hear more about your kids, your wife, um, and also your family life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Janet and I have been married since 2013. And uh, our our first child will be seven. I can't believe that. My son is about to turn seven in a month here. And then since then, it's been all girls. So uh, Peter and I stick close together. Uh, but Monica, Catherine, and Elizabeth. Uh, five, three, and eight months. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're very fortunate. My wife uh, works from home, and uh, yeah, just trying to be intentional 
and how we're living out the faith and, and passing that on, which, yeah, you know, Bill, you mentioned earlier just about how I, I shared and talked so much about how that, you know, um, integrated into my life. And right now, like the challenge or the thing that I'm still learning and, and growing in, how to understand is how to do that with, with my children, you know, especially as my oldest comes of age here and will soon begin preparation for the, for the sacraments, but just realizing like the responsibility, you know, when they're, they're little and you're just changing diapers and kissing boo-boos and, you know, those, those simple things. But now where he's, he's going to school and there's other, other people teaching him, informing him. We're very grateful for the, the opportunity where we have to, to send him to school here. But you just realize um, the, the magnitude of the responsibility of you have as a parent, especially as you're trying to live out the faith and pass it on. Like I described, like from a, a vision and organizational standpoint, but man, does that mean so much more right here uh, in my family? And just, like I said, trying to understand how to do that best and learning all the time and like not fast enough <laughs> yeah. with my children. No, you know, it's, it's amazing, you know, and, and, hearing hearing the fact that you know that's that's the effort that is being you know put in AJ on your part it just makes it just makes you know it knowing that the holy spirit shows up and and fills in the gaps you know like we don't the part of part of the christian life is that you know we we are allowed to be human you know and and not, we're all supposed to strive for that perfection, right? I mean, Christ, you know, sets the bar like, "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect." But the reality is, is that, you know, we're we're not going to be in every situation in every every area. So, but but just the fact that it's striving for that, just the fact yeah. that it's that it's like, okay, this is what the ideal is. This is what I want to put out there, you know, um, for 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 my kids, for my family, for for my wife, for my you know, uh, for for other people who are coming into contact with me to see me. That is the beauty of um, who we are as Catholics, and and just putting that faith into action. Because yeah, it, it is it is so easy, you know, to sit behind a microphone or on a on a radio podcast. It is the easiest thing to do. Sit behind, you know. Ann and I are doing this series right now, getting ready to do um, uh, for when for when I start my family, <laughs> for when for my son comes into the world here, which is only going to be two more months. Uh, it's crazy to say that, but. Um, you know, and I have all those wonderful things you just talked about to look forward to. But, but the um, the the reality is like, okay, we're putting this series together on the Beatitudes, and it's so easy for Ann and I to sit there and talk about these things. And then, and then I realize about halfway through the episode, and I always say it, I'm like. I just want y'all to know that I am nowhere near close to living this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like here, here we are talking about these great things, and I'm like. But but I am nowhere near close to even. But 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 I'm striving. I'm working, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and just seeing that in your story is is great. And knowing that you know you're working toward this, and that um, you are you you are in the same boat. I think helps a lot of people out there that are that are just you know in the trenches because because I think there is this thing called the Catholic trenches where we're all just kind of down in this trench, you know, fighting it out, you know, uh, trying to weather these storms and. Um, and so, yeah, just thank you for your witness. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's, just, it's a continued journey and certainly uh, what you're striving for. And yeah, those moments where something sticks or you see, you know, my, one of my, my oldest daughter, you know, interact with either older or younger. And when you just see like something you've been trying to 
instill or something you, you talked about and you see her just do it, you know, and she doesn't know you're watching. It is just like a, such a blessing, such a, a joy to see that. And that's, and then there's the other times too, where it's kicking and screaming. You're like, what is going on here? But the, the good with the bad, it's, uh, yeah, it's beautiful it is. and hard. Thank you both for sharing on fatherhood. That's what we've been talking about the past five minutes or so. So Bill, thanks to you too. I, I've been saying on all these podcasts recently how excited I am also for the birth of Elvin, little Elvin. That's Bill's son that's going to be born. He knows it's a boy already, and he's it's going to be born in May. So um, I want to ask our listeners, our audience, to pray for Bill and his wife, Agnes, and, and the new baby that's on the way. Um, and also pray for you too, hey, Jay, all of you and your four kids and your wife and the wonderful work that you're doing. Um, let's talk about fatherhood because here we are in the month, the month of March and our, the feast day of St. Joseph is coming up and that's going to be on March 19th, not too far away. Um, I'm sure that you two both have some thoughts on that because isn't fatherhood is such an important aspect of family life, but also of faith and society too, right? People don't talk about that too much, but isn't fatherhood something that needs to be addressed yeah, absolutely. I, I know like, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but they always just shock me, you know, the, the, about if a, if a mother is the, the primary, you know, one in the home leading in the faith, you know, like it's a, it's a good percent, but a lower percentage than when it is a father that is the leading example, the one encouraging and leading to mass, leading in prayer in, in the home, where it's just overwhelming how many of those children, you know, remain in the faith. Uh, when the father is, is leading and, and yeah, uh, the great example of St. Joseph, obviously. And I know, um, you know, with, with that, you know, Bill talking about what we, what, what you will soon and what I'm striving for, you know, I, I, again, just the importance of others who have been through it, you know, so there are men that I look up to and ask questions who have adult children and grandchildren, and then some who just have teenage children, you know, that are a step ahead of me. And then also brothers I'm united with that are right in it, you know, the, the same two or three young kids where like we just need that support and just that um, acknowledgement of like the, the beautiful struggle that it is, the, um, the effort that it takes, uh, which is, is so important and, and needed to have that, that support around you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the other thing I think, too, is that we are so blessed here in Milwaukee uh, with some incredible organizations, too, uh, and just some incredible support for men. Uh, because, you know, men, men living their faith uh, is, is not uh, one of the things that is readily seen on the local news uh, or even the national news uh, at all. Like, you just don't see it. Uh, we, we hear a lot about uh, you know, men who, uh, you know, maybe do not live up to that ideal, but we rarely see the men of goodwill and, and those fathers. And so one of the things that I always love to point to here in Milwaukee is the uh, the, the Men of Christ organization, uh, because uh, which is very simply menofchrist.net uh, for, any, for any man who is looking for it, uh, but uh, that's their website. But I, I just encourage people to, to find that group of men, as AJ was saying, to have that, you know, shouldering up, especially during during those years when you're, um, 
you know, forming your family, leading your family, you have to have support, you know, and you have to have a, a, a band of brothers, you know, kind of walking with you in, along this journey. If you don't have that, 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 that group of people out there, uh, you know, and, and the men of Christ does conferences, they, they, they do local, you know, Bible studies and groups, man, it, it's a lot like, um, what, what AJ was talking about with, you know, on, on college campuses with focus, like it, it's, it's creating these communities so that you can live your faith and, and, and there can people holding you accountable. And so, um, you know, just having the blessing of having the uh, men of Christ in, in Milwaukee, uh, which was like one of the very first men's conferences in the United States, uh, leading the charge through, uh, you know, empowering men to, to live their faith is just awesome. And so, uh, I encourage men to check that out. Uh, it, it, and it is, you know, national. There are people who do fly in for the conference and, and uh, work with, the, you know, the team to create these different groups all around the country. So I do encourage people to check it out, uh, menofchrist.net. Uh, but, but yeah, AJ, I'm, I, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, um, having that group of people and also, um, you know, st- just striving to, um, striving to instill those very important things by example in your children. You know, uh, as you said, there's a piece of things where like, okay, you're, you know, your, your child's going to do something and you know, you, you've been trying to instill it. You've been watching them and then you're not there and it's like, oh, and they do it. And you're like, yes. And, and that example, that fatherhood example, I think it's somewhere in the vicinity of like, you know, what is it? Like 80% of, of children will go to mass and continue living their faith if their dad does. Like that's cra- I mean, that's a crazy impressive statistic. It's 80 or 90%. Like that's crazy. So all it takes is like living it. All it takes is living it. And and that's a lot harder than just me saying it on the radio, but all it takes is living it. And and if you can find that group of people to get out there and do it, you're going to you're going to do great. So yeah, fathers, you know, f- find some men uh, in your life that are that that you know are living faithfully and get together with them, do a Bible study with them, go out for a weekly coffee with them, whatever it is, do it because that is what uh, your children are going to see and and it's going to help you grow deeper in your faith with the Lord too. Yeah, Bill, that what you just said was just perfect, and I hope that people take up on some of the advice that you gave on that on the group and um, and AJ's life is is just. Um, something to be uh, really talked about and, and emulated really, because I think, you know, you said you came into college and, you know, you were into partying, you weren't um, perfect in your faith at that time, but look how God came into your life and look how, you know, you were led in the right direction because you know what, your ears and your eyes were open to wanting to do the right thing. Uh, I don't know about either of you, but I think that that's, a good first step for so many people. When you have the desire to want to do good, when you have the desire to want to find faith, uh, just keep following, keep praying and keep open to the Holy Spirit. Right. And, um, and AJ, you also mentioned a lot about that whole idea of personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the one thing that I've been hearing about focus is that uh, the whole the centerpiece, really, the centerpiece is the is that uh, wanting to get to know Christ, because a lot of people in their college years, uh, maybe they came from a family where they went to mass uh, on Sundays, 
but you're introducing them. What you did when you were, you know, obviously involved in focus is that introducing them to the idea to getting to know Christ more. What, what has that been like to you working with people in, in what the work that you're doing now? Yeah, no. And I, I'll just add to what you said about, you know, that person that has a, a desire or is open, like also for the person that is making invitations that you feel like they're falling on deaf ears, like to be persistent and continual. Like I said no to going to a Bible study a dozen times before I finally said yes. And like the Lord was preparing my heart that whole time, sometimes like angrily and stubbornly, like stop asking me. But if they hadn't asked another three times, I really don't know like how, how much sort of changed my life and just different moments where if it hadn't been for that invitation from this person that I know, like how would I have considered Jesus in that moment of my life. And, and yeah, that was the, the, the thing that changed so much for me. Like I met Jesus in the Eucharist, but then a few months later to be able to think about Jesus in my life in a, in a different way, like to really consider who the person of Jesus is, that he is not just another historical figure. He's not just this man person, you know, can only be contained or maintained in this book, but like he is alive now. He desires more for us now at each moment as, as our life, you know, as we grow and experience different seasons of life that he wants to be there. Um, he's, he's always there with you. He says that in the great commission, the end of Matthew's gospel, that he'll be with us until the end of the age. And uh, I mean, he, he is, you know, where two or three are gathered, he is there. Um, but for someone to really personalize the invitation is to not just think of Jesus in that way, but to think of how they can invite Jesus and include the faith in their life wherever they are and where yeah I, I had many years of, of getting to do that on a college campus when students are thinking about just decisions at a pivotal moment of their life to be more conformed to Christ to think with the mind of Christ and now now my role is we're sending missionaries to parishes around the country so for about five or six years now uh, we've been doing this initially just kind of testing it out from my understanding but now where it is in, in a part of our essential mission like you were the, the fellowship of catholic university students but we are sending missionaries to parishes now because uh there are people there that have not encountered uh, th this person of jesus the fullness of the gospel or the fullness of the catholic church so we are, are working with pastors and parish staff to uh, work side by side in proclaiming the gospel in the parish and inviting people into this type of relationship with jesus and again, not just to receive that and take that for themselves, but a way uh, that will that they'll feel confident and ready to step into mission at our side, right in their own parishes. And then immediately, Impact Families, we're like, that's our hope on campus. We're working with these college students, and I hope this 19-year-old man will continue to live this way for the next 30 years. But to, for us, our missionaries who are, you know, late 20s, early 30s, mid-30s, to go and work with someone who is maybe their father's age, somewhere between there. And then for that person to turn around and share with their family, which is maybe not something they did when they were raising their family, is such a gift to watch and experience these older adults um, you know, come alive and want to share this with their children now. Yeah. Oh, I, I think this is the best news. I mean, honestly, I mean that with all my heart. This is excellent, excellent news because this is what the church needs. So in regard to your role now, are you looking to increase that number or is it sort of like a selected thing where you decide on which parishes? How does that all work? Yeah, parishes contact us and we just kind of begin the conversation, begin 
understanding what the current ministry of the parish is like and just the full and complete understanding of what, um, you know, a team of missionaries can provide, how exactly they'll work alongside of the parish staff as we serve the vision of the pastor and the bishop there. So, um, yeah, we have a, a number of parishes that we're hoping to get to this fall. Um, and then, yeah, we're, we have a number of conversations ongoing, pursuing for future years, if we be a good fit, if the Lord is calling us to work together in that way. But there's a lot of resources that uh, we can provide now, just at our website, focus.org, um, under, gosh, what is it, like discipleship resources, where, I mean, parishes can begin using and implementing some of those things uh, immediately. Um and, and other things that we're uh, working on and serving workshops would have been something we would have rolled out last year. But of course, that was those difficult with the world, but something we hope to get back to uh, doing in-person workshops um, to, to continue to grow closer to defining if we can work together with that area or how we can set them up for that sort of discipleship ministry in their parish more immediately. Yeah, you know, and even talk a little bit about the the wonderful success of uh, Seek too, because I know that you get you guys just had the uh, virtual thing, uh, you know, virtual, but also in person. You know, uh, the 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 very cool thing about you know Focus is that it really does have some pretty amazing cutting edge <laughs> uh, stuff. So uh, share with us a little bit about you know that hybrid approach this year, and of course, we're all hoping to get back to. Uh, some semblance of you know normalcy and and, and be able to shake hands and, and be together in person and all of those things. But um, yeah, just share with us a little bit about you know that and 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 how that went and 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 how you guys see that you know taking on maybe a new form in the future too. As as we we've learned a lot too. Yeah, no, it's it, seek is something I look forward to every year. A big part of my conversion years ago, the first uh, focus conference I went to before it was called Seek, but Seek has become the annual uh, conference, usually over like a Christmas break for, for a college student. And yeah, this year we were planning on going to St. Louis in January. And then of course had to rethink that come June or July, once we knew it wasn't going to happen. And just incredible to see like the whole organization, like every department come together to figure out a way to still make seek available to students to provide this opportunity for people to encounter Jesus powerfully through the church with incredible speakers and just that powerful prayer experience. And, you know, just figuring that out and not sure quite what that was going to look like. And then to get to February, yeah, just a month ago where there were, gosh, how many locations there was, well, there's 27,000 people that registered 11,000 college students. And at, so at 358 campuses, this was happening. Some were meeting, in the Newman Center, some are meeting over Zoom, some are meeting in, you know, conference hall, uh, rooms in the, in the, on the university, and then, like, over, gosh, I don't know how many parishes, it says 1,900 parishes, nearly 1,900 parishes, so again, they're meeting in the parish hall, meeting in the church, meeting over Zoom, uh, where there was a local broadcast in Denver where the, the conference was happening, but then also throughout the conference, a number of speakers that were in different parts of the country with some of those groups, presenting and then streaming live to everyone that was participating. So amazing how everyone came together to make it happen. And then, yeah, to see some of the, the testimonies coming in now from students, from parishioners, you know, it's, they're no different than they were a year, a, a year, more than a year ago when the conference was happening in person, like the Lord was there, you know, the, the Lord showed up and just revealed himself powerfully to these people who, you know, during the past year are so, 
you know, desperate and longing for something normal, but also just the powerful faith experience with a community of people. Uh, so it was beautiful to see how it came together and what a blessing it's been. Oh yeah, awesome. I agree. And um, I'm very thankful too, because, uh, and this is also an invitation for you, AJ, and for anybody listening, is that another friend of mine invited me to a Facebook group called Seek 2021. And that's also a great uh, way to connect is just through uh, this. uh, I think it's a public group. So feel free to check it out. Seek 2021 Facebook group. And a lot of people that are posting are people just like you, AJ, that are, you know, connected somehow to this wonderful organization. So um, I'm just so grateful to you and on all the wonderful work that you're doing. Hey, tell us uh, what's going to what's going on for you this year? Is there anything new that you want to tell us about any call to action or events that are coming? Well, yeah, right now, you know, there's a really cool opportunity um, that Dr. Shri and Curtis Martin, Curtis Martin is the founder of Focus. Dr. Shri is uh, author, speaker, uh, professor. He wears a lot of hats, but just both great gifts to the church, but they are offering a Bible study right now for people post campus and it's uh, live streamed every Monday, but on our on our site at focus.org, and I, I should share with you exactly how to get there and access it, but just this week was the second week. So I know some groups are using it. They can't attend when it's streamed live. So they're meeting on their, you know, their regular Thursday night small group time. So they're watching this together and it's to go through and through Lent and beyond into Easter, but it's salvation history. So Dr. Shri and Curtis walking, uh, just studying the Bible sharing, you know, just the story of salvation. So that's a great opportunity for people to get connected here as we continue our journey through Lent. And then, um, yeah, you know, just just prayers. There's so many opportunities for focus to expand, to reach new locations, which just means more souls that will encounter the gospel, that will have this opportunity to say yes to Jesus in the church. So just that um, the Lord opens those doors, open hearts for people to say yes to being a missionary, to to enter into um, kind of a, a radical life, I guess, to say, yes, I'll serve as a missionary. Yes, I'll go anywhere in the country. Uh, yes, I'll go into a college campus and try and proclaim the gospel so that people would uh, respond uh, bravely and um, faithfully. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah, focus is wonderful. You have a beautiful life that you shared with us on this evening. We thank you so much. Um, now I wondered if there's somebody listening that maybe their parish or their archdiocese diocese. So if they are interested in finding out more about what you shared with us about this idea of focus missionaries going and not just going to universities, but going to parishes, mm-hmm. where can they reach out to you or to someone to get started on that? Yeah, you can go to focus.org. That's our website, the, all of the organizations, apostolates in different areas of of outreach and information, Bible studies, the Bible study I mentioned with Dr. Shreen Curtis Martin, uh, but focus.org at the top, there's a what we do uh, tab button that you hover over and then you go there and there's like eight different things that pop up. Parish outreach is one of those where you can go and see where we're currently serving and also a little description of how we take uh, what we do on campus and kind of mold it and adapt it to go in a parish. But if you're interested in learning more, uh, you can email parishes at focus.org. Awesome we'll, stuff. Uh, be in touch. Awesome stuff, AJ. That's, you know, I'm, I'm so excited to have to have you on the program. And 
uh, really appreciate you know your just your just humility, your great uh, your great witness story, uh, and and also just you know sharing the faith with us. Uh, it's just such a great blessing to have you. So thank you so much for for uh, sharing sharing with us today and being here. It just it's awesome. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks be to God, and thank you guys for the invitation and opportunity. Of course, uh, and folks, I, I just as we wrap up the program, want to remind you uh, to always uh, check in with our ministry here, uh, Patchwork Heart Ministry. It's very easy uh, to find us. Uh, PatchworkHeart.org is the website, and you can head over there to find out you know more about our programs and everything. Uh, I also want to remind you that for Lent, it's still ongoing. Uh, if you enter the code uh, Lent twenty one on our uh, on our on our Lenten resources page on our on our web store, you're going to be getting fifteen percent off any of the Lenten resources uh, on our on our web store as well. So there's Stations of the Cross, audio CDs, DS, uh, DVDs, stuff like that, uh, booklets, uh, and whatnot as well. So so please, uh, if you're you know walking along this Lenten journey and you're still uh, you know, maybe not looking for something, or you have your, or you, you want some resources to help you. You're kind of struggling along. Uh, check out our our website, and then when you click over on the web store, know that any Lenten resources on on that page will be fifteen uh, percent off using the code Lent twenty one. Uh, so, uh, you know, just just please check that stuff out, folks. And uh, as always, Ann, it's it's great to be with you and know that um, know that we're going to have some uh, some more great shows throughout the remainder of this month and early uh, into uh, April and then uh, and then I can't believe I'm saying that but what you know we're gonna we're gonna take about yeah, eight episodes off <laughs> and do the Beatitudes for y'all uh, because uh, my son will be here so uh, that's I, I can't believe I'm saying that but uh, it's awesome <laughs> I can't either Bill I mean it's gone so fast Uh, This has been wonderful. AJ, thank you so much. Please do come back again. Now, I know you're going to be a guest also on my online TV show on Facebook Live with Fiat Ministry Network. So keep an eye there. He's going to be on Journeys in Faith on Friday. Uh, I don't have the date right in front of me, but it's coming up soon. So keep an eye. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks, folks. Uh, This has been uh, wonderful to have you all. Uh, with us this evening, and until next time, from all of us here at the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation, Patchwork Heart Ministry, and Fiat Ministry Network, keep beating to your Catholic hearts and sowing hope into those broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, Visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.